0: The Loudest Voice in the Room How the Brilliant, Bombastic Roger Ailes Built Fox News and Divided a Country is the title of a 2014 Roger Ailes biography by journalist Gabriel Sherman. The book forms the basis of a brand new miniseries called The Loudest Voice on the Showtime network. It stars Russell Crowe as Ailes, Sienna Miller as his wife, and Naomi Watts as Gretchen Carlson. Gretchen Carlson was a Fox News anchor who filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against Ailes, which ended his career at Fox. I've watched the first three episodes of the show and all the cast interviews that are available online. Today's podcast will analyze the fundamental problem that the mainstream culture has with Ailes, A problem that is articulated in the title of Sherman's book that the launch of Fox News specifically and the flourishing of avenues for right-leaning voices, opinions, and commentary more broadly has divided the U.S. nation. Sherman was very closely involved with turning his book into the mini-series. In an interview with the LA Times, he asserts, quote, We have a very clear point of view about the damage Roger Ailes and Fox News have done to our culture, end quote. What exactly is this great damage that Ailes used Fox to inflict on the American people? Roger Ailes exposed the leftist bias of American legacy media that for decades had insisted that they were just being neutral and objective. Here is Russell Crowe laying it out to a visibly uncomfortable Stephen Colbert on The Late Show.
1: You know, Roger many, many times over the years said if he hadn't have had seen a certain bias in media, then Fox News could have been the exact opposite because he was looking for the open area of the market. And it was in his estimation that CNN, that MSNBC, CNBC, um, you know, c BAN, ABC, NBC, CBS, The Times, The Post, everybody had a, a left-leaning bent. Mm-hmm. So to him, what was available was a conservative audience that was being underserved. Mm-hmm. And that proved to be very true, because now you have one single news network which dominates half of the available audience. Right.
0: By offering right-leaning commentary, and news analysis without a leftist bias, Ailes and Fox proved that the truth does not have a liberal bias after all. This is how Fox has allegedly divided the nation because it offers a right-leaning point of view and thereby shows the people beyond any doubt that CBS, NBC, CNN, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the taxpayer-funded platforms of PBS and NPR all have a left-wing agenda. And for many of these media outlets, the bottom line doesn't seem to matter. The ratings may be plummeting, the number of subscribers may be declining, and the losses may be piling up. But as long as they can continue pushing their agenda, they will do so. The legacy or mainstream media effectively acts as the communications arm of the Democratic Party. But they have a problem with Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, and other right-of-center groups from finally having an outlet that highlights their views and does not ridicule them. You see, allowing the right to have a presence in the public sphere amounts to dividing the nation. So what does the left really want? It wants deplatforming of all right-of-center voices. And this tyrannical exercise of power is being carried out today by Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and other social media monopolies that have found a cozy place above the law. They lobby Congress with millions of dollars to protect their status as platforms so that they are not held accountable for libel, but then they go ahead and censor and deplatform as if they are publishers, which of course they are. The Showtime miniseries focuses on the last two decades of Ailes' life. It begins with his ouster from CNBC in 1995 and ends with his death in 2017 because Sherman believes that this timeline best captures his influence on the country's sociopolitical discourse. Indeed, Sherman argues that Ailes' influence foreshadows the election of Donald Trump who, quote, comes out of the id of Fox News, end quote. The id is a Freudian term and refers to the part of the mind in which innate and instinctive impulses and primary processes are manifest. In other words, the innate characteristics embodied by Fox News are manifest in the person of Donald Trump, according to the creators of this show. The loudest voice has been on the air for about four weeks now, but it has barely made a whimper, let alone a bang. So why isn't it getting the kind of attention that one would expect? I mean, look at how the luminaries of our culture revere The Handmaid's Tale, a show on Hulu that imagines the US as a Christian theocracy, a dystopian future where the religious right are the villains. What's not to love about that? But that is just fiction, whereas Fox News is a fact of American life. So what's gone wrong? I believe it's because Sherman and the other creators of The Loudest Voice made a critical error in picking Russell Crowe to play Ailes. My guess is that they were expecting Crowe to turn into, or rather reveal himself to be a left-wing hack the way Christian Bale did when he played Vice President Dick Cheney in the 2018 movie Vice. There are similarities between Bale and Crow. They both are foreigners. Bale is English and Crow is a Kiwi turned Aussie. Both are phenomenal actors. Both transform their bodies in unimaginable ways for the sake of art. Bale's Cheney and Crow's Ales are both morbidly obese, But that's where the similarities end, because if you've watched any of Russell Crowe's interviews carefully, then you would know that he is a deep-thinking man with remarkable emotional intelligence and right of center proclivities. He has stated that he stays away from commenting on US politics because he's not an American, but in an interview with Stephen Colbert, he revealed that while he understands the place of welfare in society, he is against getting on the dole because his father has always taught him that he needs to make his own way in life. You can see Colbert cringing at that and quickly changing the topic. Obviously, I don't know Russell Crowe personally, and this is just my impression based on the interviews I've watched online. Whatever Crowe's political affiliations may actually be, He isn't about to play any character as a one trick pony. So here's where the mismatch comes in. It seems quite clear that the objective of the show is to portray Ailes as a one dimensional monster, a predator, a lying con man. And this is precisely what the left wants to see. But this is not how Russell Crowe sees Ailes and this is not what he delivers. Based on the first three episodes, my impression is that Crow humanizes Ailes without making any excuses for his dark side. Not only does Crow portray Ailes in multiple shades of gray instead of black and white as the left wants, he also consistently challenges the left's characterization of Ailes and Fox News in his interviews. During one interview on the show's promotional tour, Crow and other members of the cast were waiting backstage as the anchor introduced the show. But Crow found the anchor's prejudiced and unabashedly hateful description of Roger Ailes so objectionable that he refused to go on stage. Apparently, it all went down peacefully, although some reports tried to sensationalize the incident. Basically, Crowe said that there was no point in talking to someone who has already made up his mind about who Roger Ailes is and moreover is outright telling the audience exactly what to think about him. Here is another example of how Crowe insists on complicating the public understanding of Roger Ailes to the clear dismay of the left. This is an excerpt from his interview with Peter Travers, film critic for the Rolling Stone magazine. Note that right after this clip, Travers quickly changes the topic to music and does not engage with anything that Crowe puts forward.
1: Oh, that's right. We were talking about people that I've met that that work with him. Uniformly, the people who worked with Roger over a long period of time, when I sat down to talk to them, what they really wanted to communicate was that they loved him, that they missed him, that they respected his leadership. And it was like I was a little overwhelmed by that because I thought I was going to be sitting in front of a whole bunch of people who were going to air their complaints. Mm-hmm. And here they were, they were talking about a guy that, you know, if you do that Google search, it is, we're talking about a monster, and I'm sitting in front of them, and they were telling me about the real man who took time with them to help them mold their careers, who changed people's lives, who took, you know, uh, a cleaner, who had a desire to be a makeup woman, and She became a makeup woman and then a head of department and, you know, incredible stories So it's women as well as men that were telling you that. Yeah, and benefiting from his faith in them. Now, obviously, there's a dark, dark edge to Roger's misuse of power, you know. But without making any excuses for that, I can see the chain through the culture. Because we go back to the Mike Douglas show, executive producer, summer of love, sexual revolution, you know, he has things ingrained in him then, in terms of power and how he can get an advantage or or an edge over somebody then. Mm -hmm. And then that goes through the washing machine of politics. Then that goes through the process of being a, a, a Broadway producer.
0: Why did the host Travers cringe and change the subject? because in the span of less than two minutes, Crow does the unthinkable. One, he provides evidence of the good that Ailes did using his money and influence. And two, he offers a theory of how Ailes may have acquired his predatory ways. I want to emphasize here that Ailes is wholly responsible for the egregious actions that he willingly took against the women that he abused. But without justifying or forgiving his actions, Crow provides rare context. Roger Ailes rose quickly to become the executive producer of a hugely popular daytime show in the 1960s called The Mike Douglas Show. Ailes was 26 at the time. A young man with enormous power in the glitzy and glamorous world of show business, right in the midst of the sexual revolution, what did he learn about power and sex in the summers of love? The point here is that Ailes does not exist in a vacuum. His predation is situated in the vulgar and sexually libertine culture that the left elites created five decades ago. The very culture that has produced the likes of Bill Clinton, Harvey Weinstein, and Jeffrey Epstein. But this show is supposed to serve as a vehicle for the left to feel good about itself and hate on a right-wing monster. So how dare Russell Crowe use it as an opportunity to turn the finger right back at the left? It should come as no surprise then that the critics are giving the show one and two stars and declaring that Russell Crowe fails to impress, flounders, lacks depth, and is dead in the water. The next episode will continue to explore the intersection of media and politics with an eye toward how it shapes public discourse and election outcomes in the state of Vermont. For more political analysis and an examination of the issues in a state run by the far left, stay tuned for more episodes. I'm super thrilled to share that the podcast is now available on iTunes, so make sure to subscribe for new episodes every Tuesday with bonus Thursday thoughts. Write to me at Megpodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook on my Facebook page, Dialogues with Meg Hansen, where you can watch interviews from my TV show. Until next time, I'm Meg Hansen. And you've been listening to Writing What's Left.